highly passionate, very fun, totally engaged, very unique. That is exactly how to describe our guest today on the radio rally here on Clubhouse. What you're about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, hearing the stories of an amazing radio pro and uncovering the path forward in radio right now. And that means for you. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help local broadcasters make more money by being an affordable programming partner who can fully develop the right position for your local brand or brands. Coach your morning show and other talents, design and execute great station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs. We provide excellent voice trackers when you need them, sales and promotional ideas that kill and move the needle when it comes to revenue and revenue production. We are confidential and market exclusive for radio. Reach out anytime if you've got a challenge. We uh, we love the free consultation and you will too. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Today's live event will also be a podcast called The Encouragers the Radio Rally podcast and will become available soon after the end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. You can meet our guests live on Clubhouse or subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. We have two podcast dose. The Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, which comes from our Wednesday night event at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific and the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which comes from the event you're listening to right now. Both are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you get your podcast. So what in the heck is this event about and what's going to go on here tonight? March 14th, 2022, Casey Carter is the program director of WNOE in New Orleans, custom format lead, mainstream country and new country, iHeartMedia. We're going to talk about what all that means here in a few minutes. Before we get started with Casey in a moment, I want to share two quick things with you. Number one, next week on Monday night for the Radio Rally, we have a treat for you. It's a Canadian treat. March 21st, 2022, Troy McCollum will be here. He's the program director and content creator for Boom 97.3 in Toronto. We're going to find out what Canadian uh, radio is all about and what's up up there, if you will. Did you know that we also encourage radio sellers, sales managers, and market managers? Hey, you didn't think this encouragement just for personalities and programmers, right? We do all of that. April the 14th, we are launching our very next radio sales exclusive live event. Our Q2 event will be free on your smartphone for market managers, sales managers, and local radio sellers. We are calling this event Getting higher sales now in a crowded market, and it comes at a most appropriate time. This event will feature sales consultant and my co-host, Alec Drake with Drake Media Group, and both David Deutsch, who's the president of Midwest Family, and Brian Maloney, who is the vice president of Capital Broadcasting. These two real-life, on-the-ground experts are developing revenue for their local clusters and their companies, and they are going to share with you directly how to boost your Q2 revenue and remaining 2022. Two revenue on April 14th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Clubhouse app. By the way, we have a guest 
every single week on the Radio Rally. It's one of the fun things that we do at Rainmaker Pathway. You can see our full guest calendar all the way through, eh, let's just call it uh, May, right? It's in the free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com rainmakerpathway.com. By the way, that's also where you're going to find all kinds of encouragement for free for on-air and promotions programmers and others with our more than live and local guest series and even more encouragement for local radio sellers with our encouraging sales success series as well as free resources for anyone in radio or anyone in audio today. We don't lock away anything on our website the way some other consultants do. It's all right for them. But for us, we believe in this theory of abundance. Don't know what it is? Call me and ask me. I'd love to share it with you. So go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime. See what you can get for free from our team. Please do follow the people on this stage and at this event because that is the way to do networking with some other folks. Today's guest is Casey Carter. Now, Casey Carter is the program director of WNOE in New Orleans. She's, uh, listen to this, custom format lead, mainstream country and new country, iHeart Media. Casey has been working at iHeart for, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 years this time. But uh, listen, even that makes me scratch my head because it seems a lot longer to me. Maybe it does to her too. I don't know. I've watched her do a variety of jobs at an exceptional level, and she is programmed in multiple very competitive environments, achieving great success for the company and for herself. Her top flight ability to make her radio station sound excellent no matter where she is, is absolutely exceptional. Casey, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally. How are you? I sort of feel like you have the wrong Casey Carter on, Lloyd. Oh. That was really nice. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> you know you. I got thank the you. I got the right one right here. You know I do. Well, you doing thank good. You. Uh, doing good, doing good. Yeah, it's um, really nice to be six oh six Central Daylight Time and have it be so bright outside. I, I don't mind this at all. So. Oh, we do like that, don't we? Yes, Things I do. Spring into action. It, it, it's so much better for me. I'm glad that we agree on this. Yes. Listen. I want to go back a little bit. Okay. You went to the American School of Broadcasting. One, is that correct? And two, yes. if, if it is, tell us all about it. <laughs> well, um, it is no longer at least the branch in Columbus, Ohio, where I went. But um, <laughs> I went there straight out of high school. Here's something. You and I have known each other a long, long time. And something you mm. might not know about me is the fact that I grew up playing saxophone. And everybody expected me, including myself, to go from high school into college and follow my saxophone playing. And one day I woke up and said, you know what, like as much as I would love to be, I was, I was obsessed in high school with David Sanborn. Um, oh. As much as I would have loved to have been the next David Sanborn, I'm like, is there really a, you know, a career in trying to be the next David Sanborn? And I ditched all of my music plans at the last minute and decided to go into radio, which had also always been a, like a secret, secret passion of mine. So wait, I wait, 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 before we go there, <laughs> okay. I, I want to know this, this left, this sudden left turn, is yeah. that, is that like you? Um, it probably was like me back then. Now I'm the person that has to have a plan and I probably overthink things. But back then, um, 
it really, you know, like I say, my plan back then was completely different. And I just sort of made that, that 180 at the last minute. So, oh, um, oh, Casey, yeah. you've been, you've been talking to my wife too much. There's no such thing <laughs> as over planning. There's no such thing. <laughs> I agree with that. It does um, not happen. Right. What attracted yeah. you to radio specifically? I mean, like when I was a little kid, you know, I mean, I, I, uh, had a record player when I was a little kid and used to walk around the house. I had two 45s. One was, um, tight playlist. yeah, it was, it was the tightest of tight playlists. Um, I went on to have some bosses that would have been really proud of that, by the way, you bet. But, um, you know, my, my two 45s were Philadelphia freedom by Elton John and Kiki D right No, It was don't go breaking my heart by Elton John ah. and Kiki D was my first and my second was Muskrat Love by Captain and Tennille. Uh, Philadelphia oh Freedom was later added into the rotation. But I just played those two songs back and forth, would follow my mom or dad all over the house with my little portable record player, pretending like I was a disc jockey. And then um, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. And back in the mid to late 1980s, there was a radio station that used to be there, WXGT 92X, and they had a woman on at night named Susie Wad that was just the coolest thing I've ever heard in my whole entire lifetime. And I think I was in seventh grade, maybe, and she came to our career day and she was wearing an all white outfit with black music notes from head to tail. And it was, she was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I nervously went up afterward and asked her for her autograph and um, she gave it to me. And and I don't know, there was just something always so cool about radio in the back of my head. And I think that she probably played a lot in that role when I decided at the last minute that I wasn't going to do music. Rather, I was going to, you know, go into radio. I, I feel like I wanted to be the next Susie Wad. So well, um, now, now, wait, we talk about this a lot yes. on The Encouragers. I talk about it a lot with morning shows and morning show development. You know, if you can see it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what happened with you and Susie, right? You kind of went, oh, I can do that. Yeah. I mean, she was just, she was so cool, you know, and this was back in the days of, of cassette. Like, I think all of us at some point have, you know, when we, well, th those of us probably over, I don't know, 35 or 40, maybe have uh, probably over 40 have at some point in our life sat there with a boom box or a jam box and a cassette, you know, recording songs off the radio because they were our favorite songs. But you know, when I was a kid, not only did I record those songs off the radio, but if she was talking over the intro, I would memorize everything she said and I'd play it back and do her oh bricks right God. along with her, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. So yeah. so the first thing is I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know about this recording. Oh, OK, right, right, right. Sure, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're right. We have all done that. I feel like uh, we have, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And and these younger types, they don't know the joy of that, of what right. that is and what it represents. Listen, when you first began working in radio yourself, mm -hmm. was your dream to be on mornings? Did you want to program? What was the goal for you in the beginning? And little goal for me, little Casey. Yeah, little little Casey. I think you know. I originally wanted to be a, a rock and roll disc jockey. I wanted to be like a like I used to be a total rocker chick long before I knew you. Um, I know, you know this about you. I was I was like a, a rock chicken, and I think when I you know seventeen year old me went straight from high school into broadcasting school, I just wanted to go be on the radio and 
play, you know, gosh, what was, I mean, I graduated from high school in 1990. Um, so, you know, whatever was out then, Metallica, I wanted to go play Metallica on the radio. I wanted to, you know, go play the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the radio. And that's just kind of, and then, you know, came Nirvana and Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I wanted to play that stuff on the radio. Oh, I see. But I never back then got that chance. I uh, was told in broadcasting school, like, uh, and back, by the way, back to broadcasting school, yeah. I didn't really learn much there. But what I did do was it helped me get an internship, which helped me get my first job, which launched my career. So, you know, we went to broadcasting school and it's one of those things that you can go to school and they can tell you this and give you this textbook and everything else, but you're not really going to learn it until you do it, you know? Um, so I, my biggest credit to broadcasting school was the fact that it got me an internship in Marion, Ohio, which is about 40 miles north of Columbus. So I would drive, you know, up there to go have my internship. I didn't intern in any of the Columbus radio stations, but did you um, go on the air? I got to cart up a farm report a couple weeks into my internship and heard it on the way home. And that was nothing really, really sexier cool. than a farm report on cart, mind one. you. Yes. Right. Um, yes. But that internship only lasted a couple of weeks and they called me up and offered me a part time job. And so, oh, they did. Um, yeah. So I think I was an intern. I think I was carton farm reports at two weeks and got a part time job at three. So, um, you know, right, right around there. And uh, that kind of the rest is history, as they when, said. When did you know? Let me formulate this right. Well, I, let me let, I think no, I know no. what you're going to. OK, go ahead. No, go ahead. I don't think you do. I do. Uh, uh, <laughs> no. I want to know when you got on the air, when yeah. did you know this is my home? This is where I belong. It, it took me a minute because my, um, you know, 17 year old self up at this AM radio station from the internship into the on air role. It was like a middle of the road radio station where you just kind of walked into a room of carts and picked out what you wanted to play when you were doing music shifts. And, and the closest thing to being hip in that room was like Bette Midler and Martha Hoople, you know, I mean, I was, bet you couldn't find no uh, Metallica. <laughs> there was no Metallica and there was no red hot chili peppers. Yeah. Um, and my air checks were terrible. I mean, just really, oh, really? high pitched and monotone and awful. And, so four months later, the other radio station in Marion, Ohio, which was like more of a hot AC, asked me if I wanted to go work over there. And I still didn't love it yet because, you know, I wanted to be a rock person so bad, but I figured that that radio station would get me closer to being a, a rock jock than the AM station would. So I went and did that. And then like nine months later, got hired doing nights in Charlotte, which Charlotte wasn't quite, Charlotte wasn't, wasn't the big market then that it was, that it is now. Like it was more, I mean, it was still a big market. Don't get me wrong, but it was market like 37 or 38. I mean, it wasn't market yeah. 22 like it is now. So I went there and it was sort of a crossbreed of like a CHR alternative station. So I got a little bit closer to what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, my ultimate goal at that point in my career was I wanted to go be like a rock jock in a major market. That's what I wanted to do. Um, mm. But then I got budget cut from there. And then I went to Norfolk <laughs> slash Virginia Beach and worked there for about a year and got budget cut again and then found myself back in Columbus, Ohio, unemployed, you know, 
20, 20 years old, living back with my mom and dad. And now, wait a minute, I'm going to say this about you because I have known you for a long time. Uh -huh. You are very tenacious. Where some people would give up, that ain't in Casey Carter. Well, <laughs> I didn't give up. I just, you know, just needed to go. I happened to get budget cut in Norfolk, Virginia, at Virginia Beach, um, like literally six weeks before the lease in my apartment was up. And for those six weeks, I did go work part time at the Classic Rock Station there, WFX 1069 The Fox, um, mm. which was really, really fun. But a part time job at the Fox isn't going to pay rent. And, yeah. and my lease was up and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go back home to mom and dad, put my tail between my legs, go home, yeah. figure out my next step in life. My mom owned a tanning salon, and one day I was working at that tanning salon, and there was a lady that walked in wearing a sweatshirt from some radio station. And I said to her, um, hey, where'd, where'd you get that? And she's like, oh, I used to be a music director at a radio station in Denver, Colorado. I got to talking to her. Her then fiance was the general manager of oldies 92.3 wcol in columbus which they had just like literally that week switched to country and mm. they needed a they they needed people they already had their full-time air staff set but they needed weekenders and they needed promotions people and that's how i got into country radio col in columbus ohio flipped to country on um valentine's day of 1994 and i joined a short time after that so and that, i'm sure that you said, I have a tan and I'm ready to go, <laughs> right? I did, I did. All right. I'm like, look at me, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still a teenager and I look like a purse, but let's do this. I love uh, that we're getting an idea of where you first hit the country sleds, if yeah. you will. But I, I wanna ask this question, I wanna go real slow. So I'm gonna kind of sneak up with you on this one. Okay. Okay, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna confess, okay, okay, before I do that. So for me, I was a jock. I was on air for a uh, board. Let's see. Let me make it official. Nine years. Nine years before I had the first thought about programming a radio station. What attracted you to programming and how in the heck did that happen? I was not attracted to programming whatsoever until I got hired at WCOL. And um, I think what attracted me was, you know, again, that was 1994 and country radio back in 1994 was very different. You know, you still had country weeklies sitting, you know, in your grocery store and people would flock to fanfare. And I, I know that they still do the CMA Fan Fest, but it was different back then, you know, it was. I mean, um, with with so many artists doing their their fan club events and whatnot during uh, fanfare, and the the program director that hired me there, his name was Michael Cruz, and ah. he told me. He's like, look, I mean, like when I got hired at WCOL, literally I had heard of Garth Brooks. I knew there was some guy named Alan Jackson that had a song about a Chattahoochee, whatever that was. I knew there was a band called the Judds that was a mom and a daughter, and I didn't know which was which. And that's like, I had never heard of George Strait. Like that's literally all I knew about country. And he sat me down and he's like, if you're going to do this format, you're going to learn this format because your listeners already know it and they can smell bullshit a mile away. So I think nice. as I got my 
as I went, you know, saved, saved up my money and walked up to Kroger every week to go buy my country weekly and got to really learn the format and spend as much time listening to WCOL. And uh, there was two other radio stations that played country in Columbus at the time. And, um, you know, watch CMT as I really tried to learn as much as I could about the format and then, you know, took the role of becoming a bit of a historian on it, too. All right. So wait a minute. So wait, 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 wait. That's what so, got me into it. So you talked to Michael. Mm -hmm. Michael gave you this kind of brutal, hey, this is what's really up. Mm -hmm. And are you telling me that you went, OK, well, I see this country weekly. I'm doing that. I see T CMT. I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm using any signal I get that's country. I'm going to figure this out. And then you become somebody who who just has depth and knows it. Yeah, because, I mean, I I really think that by him telling me, you know, giving me that talking to that one day about how my listeners already know everything about their artists. And if I don't, I suck, <laughs> basically, oh. to paraphrase. Um, but you know what? I mean, that's the way it was back in the day. Again, you know, it's a, this was this was really before the Internet, before social. I guess the Internet oh, yeah. was just starting. Right. So. Yeah. People, people AOL. kept up with their yeah. I mean, so people <laughs> kept up with their favorite artists in a different way, but the people that kept up with country artists were so incredibly engaged. Yes, and so you know, I didn't want to be that person that they smelled bullshit on. I wanted to be one of them, and and so I, you know, I learned because you had to back in the day. Um, was the first programming job for you? Uh, the first program director job would be Jacksonville, Florida, but the first APD job was here at WNOE in New Orleans. Mm. Um, Tell us about I, that, because I know there was a dude involved in that situation that was very instrumental, let's call there it. Was. There was, yeah. there was, there um, was. It still actually kind of plays back to when I was at COL in Columbus. HOK in Columbus was still around at the time, and they offered me a full-time job, but I didn't want to go over there unless I could learn something. Because at this point, I was figuring out that I wanted to be a program director someday. Oh, you knew that? And so, yeah, I figured that out when I was at COL. So I knew that I wanted to be a music director first. And when I got hired at HOK, um, they already had a music director. But the program director told me that he would make me assistant program director so that it could kind of take all, on a bit of an apprenticeship role. So okay. I learned about selector and learned about music calls and, you know, learned about the things that a music director would do at the four and a half years I was at HOK. And then the did you job... take right to selector, by the way? <laughs> well, there's another funny self-taught thing that I did. <laughs> My um, program director there you know, I was like, I want to learn, I want to learn selector. So he took out that great big, thick blue selector book we've all seen and mm. he slammed it down on the desk. He said, you want to learn selector, go home and read this. So I did. And came back Oops. a couple of weeks later. He's like, you read the selector manual. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's, you know, I thought that's how I'm going to learn. And so that's, I think how he knew I was serious, you know, did he then say what's in that book? <laughs> he said, we didn't know there was actually words in that book. Right. Nobody's never, nobody's ever opened that before. Right. Right. It's because it's all men. We don't ever follow instructions. <laughs> we just like, Oh, I got this. That's so, true. That's so true. Then the first job, so, first real programming job for you 
was in Jacksonville. But again, is it before then that we need well, to talk about? Yeah, I was I was at HOK and I just got to the point as an assistant music director there at HOK that I just wasn't learning anymore. And I really wanted to be a music director slash program director. So um, APD MD slash PM Drive opened up at WNOE in New Orleans. That was 2001. I applied. I got the job and I started here for my first tour of duty as an APD on mm. April 20th of 2001, working for and, the and, almighty Les Acre. And listen, before we get into Les for a minute, I just want to point out for anybody, especially listening later in the podcast, if you have great employees, did you hear what Casey Carter just said? She didn't say, I wasn't making enough money. I didn't have enough ego stroke. She didn't say any of that kind of stuff. What did she say? She I said, wasn't learning I anymore. wasn't <laughs> learning enough for me. So right. she went somewhere else. If you don't, if you don't teach your employees things, if you don't share, if you're not vulnerable with them, if you don't help them get where they're going on their journey, they will leave you. Tell us about right. Les Acre because some of us, we know Les Acre, but, uh, Tell us anyway. Yeah. And and by the way, the manager, the, the general manager that, that I had at HOK in Columbus, Ohio, was a CHR programming legend. His name was Dave Robbins. He was amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'd he, say. you know, I mean, I learned so much from that man. I, I, you know, to this day, I still have things ingrained in my head that I learned from Dave Robbins, but in the role of an APD, uh, an AMD rather, I just wasn't going any far. So, you know, I would have loved to have worked for Dave forever, you know, no um, doubt. But no doubt. Yeah, Look, so, we've had, we've had several guests on this show who were mentored by him yeah. and they all talk about how incredible he there's, was. There's no better mentor that ever walked the face of the earth than Dave Robbins. Um, he he had a way of putting, especially the situation we were in in Columbus, where WCOL just has a great signal that covers all of Columbus and HOK did not. And so he took on a very warlike approach to it where he had a map hanging on the wall that had like a demilitarized zone and <laughs> areas that we were right going there. to attack. I mean, it was, yeah, his, his methodology was incredible you know and and we really kicked some ass for being such a, a signal underdog um but yeah i came i came here to wcol or, or i'm sorry wnoe where i worked for another um legend les acre who had come to noe a couple of years prior to me getting here he had uh, you know, been at, at Wivick in Knoxville. He'd been at TQR in Greensboro. He had once upon a time been at, I believe it was KDF in Nashville. He was also in Memphis. Um, he had a, a real nice resume behind him. Very, very well respected. And got I to hang out with Elvis back in the day. Got to hang out with Elvis yeah. back in the day, had some incredible stories and was also one of the most accident prone people that, you know, it's, he never seriously hurt himself, oh, yeah. but he would he would injure himself to the point of being humorous and have a great sense of humor about it. Um, but, you know, he brought me in here and really took me under his wing. And I just learned a, a ton of stuff um, as his APD MD here in New Orleans for a couple of years. And then there was uh, some changes that happened within the radio station. And he... <laughs> Unfortunately, it was let go. I was moved from afternoons to middays. He was also on middays. Um, and our longtime morning show 
host Eddie Edwards was moved from mornings to afternoons and we brought in Big D and Bubba, who at the time had not gone to Nashville. They were still in Baton Rouge. Right. And there was the plan to take them to Nashville, but it kind of started as Big D and Bubba branched from WYNK in Baton Rouge to YNK and here in OE and then eventually made the move to Nashville. And um, when, when they were on just mornings here in Baton Rouge, they they lived in Baton Rouge, but then, you know, went up to uh, Clear Channel Nashville and and started branching out and syndicating up there. So um, I was here, I think, maybe about a year, year and a half after Les had been let go. And Gail Austin called me one day, who was actually the program director at COL in Columbus when I, I had already left COL and was at HOK, but I got to know her that way. And she was in Jacksonville, Florida and needed a program director and called me up and see if I wanted the job. So I with heavy heart left New Orleans because I did not want to leave New Orleans at all. I, I love the city of New Orleans more than words. And uh, Maybe but you I love something. I love radio more. <laughs> and so I packed it up and, and went to Jacksonville and got my first PD job. Hmm. So now I, I am going to say this, this is kind of serious. Um, mm -hmm. How difficult do you think it is to be a female programmer in today's radio? Or do you find it to be difficult? Um, yes, it is difficult because if you, <laughs> I find sometimes that when you have to give certain direction, people automatically think because you're a woman, you're being bitchy and, you know, but if a, if a man sometimes said the same thing, it might not be bitchy. It might just be the dude doing his job um you know so so i think i think that there's I, now that said i think that sentence applies more to five ten years ago than it does now um i you know here in iheart new orleans like you know i'm a program director and you had mentioned my role with our custom stations yes. um my immediate boss here is is also a female and she is an executive vice president within iHeart as well. Our market president's a female. We have two sales managers that are both females. So we are really, really woman strong here in New Orleans. And I don't think any of us are bitchy whatsoever. <laughs> you know, um, I and, and we all get along great. Like basically, the horrible stereotypes that have hung over women for way too long, I think this cluster here in New Orleans dispels all of them. Uh, women in particular, I don't mean to stereotype, are very detail-oriented. Mm -hmm. They never forget a thing. Wait, am I talking about marriage or programming? Yes. But anyway, it doesn't matter. What I'm saying is, you know, when I would run across people who go, well, I don't know, she's a woman, I go, you know what? You better doubly be watching out because <laughs> you got trouble. You don't even know that you have trouble there. Uh, but it is interesting, you know, because guys who came up in the programming ranks, we didn't have that. Of course, I've been called bitchy and I am a guy. <laughs> so well, maybe it's maybe it's a little bit of that, too. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing, though. It's, you know, I talk about Susie Wad. Um, you yes. know, she, she did nights. I think her aside, when I was growing up listening to the radio, the only women that I knew of in radio were either, you know, sidekicks on the morning show or the occasional midday jock um it wasn't you know and i think i think when 
you started seeing more and more women like an afternoon driver anchoring their own morning shows like at the beginning yeah. it was almost trailblazing because yeah. you know um because i think for so long like women in radio unfortunately were seen as like oh you know what you're the person that's really good to put on the air when people are working you know um well and the other thing that i personally hate is having somebody who's a sidekick because she's a woman in the morning show, mm -hmm. you know, or she has a great laugh. It's like, well, you're missing out on so much of this person's talent because that's all you see. Right, right, right. Um, I've worked with, you know, in, in my last market, I was in Greensboro, North Carolina, and there is a woman that is the at the time when I got there, she was the sole host of the morning show on the big AC station. She now has a sidekick who's a man, but, uh, but I mean, this is a woman who has led the morning show at, uh, at the big AC station, the big iHeart AC station in Greensboro uh, for gosh, 30 years. Yeah. MAG, her name's Laura Songster. And I mean, mm -hmm. that, that woman's a badass, you know, and <laughs> I've, I've worked with a lot of women in radio that are badasses. You know, when I worked with, when Gail Austin gave me my first PD job or when, um, you know, I worked under Meg Stevens for a minute and, you know, now with, with my voice tracking, I work for the first time with, with Shelly Easton. I don't know Shelly near as well as I would like to, you know, considering she just joined iHeart and I'm just one of her weekend people in Charlotte. But, um, well, but those first two names that you mentioned, they're, they're amazing women yeah. in this industry. I mean, there's there's so many, you know, it used to be you could name, you know, you could name strong women programmers on one hand and have some fingers left over. And now, like, you've used your fingers and your toes and you're still going, which is great, you know. Yeah, which means in those markets, you better watch your fingers and your toes. Right? <laughs> That's right. That's Casey, right. listen, I've known you for a long time. And look, I... I don't mean to get personal, but you strike me as somebody who puts your head down and you do the work. You do, do the work. You have this laser focus. You're big time focused on details. And I've seen impairments come up for you where something's frustrating and you just don't care. Is that true? <laughs> that can't be true. Uh, you know what? I just... I'm the person that can't leave at night if something is unfinished. Um, I mean, there's don't get me wrong. There's certain things that I can push off till tomorrow, but there's a difference between pushing something off till tomorrow and leaving something unfinished, you know? Oh, yeah. um, and so, I mean, you know, my boyfriend who we've been together eight years, he luckily for me used to be in radio for years and years and years. And so he understands, you know, that, Sometimes I you might not come walking disease. in until nine o'clock at night, you know? And, yeah, you've and, got a strange disease. That's what he knows. Yeah, exactly. And he understands yeah. it. But it's just, you know, I mean, I can't, I, I can't, uh, I can't leave things unfinished. Well, let, let's talk about this. What are some of the reasons you would say that you've enjoyed programming for iHeart? Because you've done it in... I'm going to call it a wild number of places. Uh, let's call it a variety of places mm -hmm. for iHeart. What is it about that company, about programming for them? What What would you say that you you enjoy about that? I just like the way that iHeart is structured. I mean, I had a, a programming job working for 
then Citadel for a while. Um, and they just, a company like Citadel, now Cumulus, I can't really speak on Cumulus because I did work for Citadel, not Cumulus, but, but um, you know, to go from Clear Channel to Citadel back to Clear Channel slash iHeart, mm-hmm. you know, the, the resources that iHeart gives you as a program director are second to none, you know? Um, we have, as you know, within iHeart, we have a lot of marquee events and they're really cool to promote. And I think if we have a program director in iHeart that's rolling their eyes like, oh, we got to, you know, do flyaways to the iHeart Radio Music Festival again. Or, <laughs> oh, we got to do right. flyaways to the iHeart Country Festival. It, like if somebody's rolling their eyes at that, like what's wrong with you? Because you got to take a step back and put yourself in the position of the listener, which is why we're here, mind you. Thank you. Know, you. I mean, any one of my listeners, I'm sure if I went to, you know, a country listener out on the street and said, hey, what if we sent you to Austin, Texas, to the iHeart Country Festival? We're going to give you tickets. You're going to get to see Thomas Rhett, Carrie Underwood, Zach Brown Band, Marin Morris, Dustin Lynch, Cody Johnson, all on one stage in one night, and we're going to pay for it. What do you think of that? Like, the average country listener would be like, well, hell yeah, I want to do that. Well, you know? well, Casey, not only that, you probably are talking to somebody at that point who, if they had the money or could borrow the money, mm-hmm. they would drive 583 right. miles to see that. Correct. And so, I mean, you know, when you work with other companies and when you work with iHeart, for, for instance, you can, of course work deals where you're giving away, you know, a trip to go to Tortuga or whatever. But there's something about putting the iHeart name on it and sending somebody to our marquee event. Um, well, I will, I will say this, too. It's not just that you have structure and you have resources that other people don't have. Right. The people at the top of your company okay, are the best. They have a vision for where they're going and to put the sheen on mm-hmm. radio itself. Not That's just correct. my heart, right? Mm-hmm. But radio. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that geeky little kid of me, you know, that was listening to Susie Watt on 92X when I wasn't listening to her on the radio. I was watching MTV and now I work for the guy that <laughs> put it on, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, All right. So listen, do you find yourself, this is an important question too. I think for anybody who programs radio, mm -hmm. anybody in the programming department of a radio station, I want to know about you. Do you find yourself to be a very sales engaged programmer? You know what I mean? Yes. I try because look, I mean, we're not going to like, as much as we would love to sit here and say, yeah, we do radio because we want to break the next big artist. No, radio stations do radio because, the, you know, it's a business right. and, and money needs to be made. And so, you know, if sales comes to me wanting to do something, I'm going to find a way to do it unless it's, you know, something that just so doesn't fit. But luckily, the gift that I have here in New Orleans is that you know, when I was here from 2001 to 2004, and then came back almost two and a half years ago, I work with a lot of the same salespeople. So, mm. you know, that that crop of salespeople um, understands this radio station. So right. luckily here, I don't have a lot of 
sales coming to me with a really, really bad idea because they're so good at knowing this radio station and and bringing the right idea and bringing the right client. And I mean, as, as much as I would love to sit here and say that NOE is a huge radio station, fact of the matter is, you know, we're number three in this in this chain here because we've got two massive R&B stations in the building. Mm. Um, so what's great about being in this building is every radio station has its place, you know. Um, it's not like we're at each other um, where there might be a, a like, like format. I mean, there's, you know, there's nothing in this building that can replace country. We've got, you know, the big hip hop station. We've got the big adult R&B station. We've got a throwback station. We've got a news talk. We've got a black information station and we've got a, uh, we play anything station, you know, so every single, and, and we've got a gospel station. So every single radio station in this building has its very own place. And the fact that we've had a sales department here, that's everybody with the exception of two people, everybody here has been here for so long that, you know, you don't, I don't have a lot of the battles that PD versus sales might have elsewhere, which is, which is great. You know, I mean, I think we all work together yeah. great and we have to, I mean, that's, well, listen, that's just is, the nature of the business. You have it, to work with sales. It very much is a business, like you said, you know, as a programming consultant, I have this conversation I'm about to say with you. I bet I have it, I don't know, a couple, three times a year where I'm I'm having a sort of a coaching session with a programmer or with a music director, and they tell me that they are in the music business. I'm like, no. No, you're, you're not in the music business. And they go, I am. You know, this music is very important to me and da-da-da-da-da. And I go, no, you are in the advertising business. Mm -hmm. That is the business that we're in. And that business either makes money or people go home, right? That's correct. That's correct. All right. I so mean, we have to make money. And that's never been more evident than over the last two years when COVID shut so much down and, and you know, our industry lost so much money because, you know, look, I'm in, I, I got back to New Orleans a couple months, three months before the shutdown. And I'm in a, I'm in a market that's dependent on tourism. So when you, yeah, all of a you sudden having a good have, time in the two years, <laughs> <laughs> I actually did. Um, you know, because, because the arc, I'm also sort of an architecture geek and uh. so often you don't truly see the architecture that New Orleans has to offer because there's so many tourists and people walking around in front of it. But when you walk the streets here and you're the only one walking the streets for blocks and blocks yeah, and blocks, you see things you've never seen before. So, so listen. So selfishly, please, I enjoyed it. But tell us about living and working in New Orleans during mm -hmm. during the pandemic. How mm -hmm. did life change, and how did you and your team of very strong New Orleans women uh, meet this challenge? Because there's multiple challenges, as you talk about, not just from a programming standpoint, but from a business and advertising standpoint and a client standpoint. What y'all what y'all do over there in New Orleans? Well, I was one of the few that actually still came into the building every day just because fun little fact about New Orleans, we kind of like the locals will joke about how it still is a third world country when it comes to certain things like the power infrastructure or the cable, like the uh, Internet. 
<laughs> Pardon me. I can't. I did not know. I would love to tell you that I've got the greatest internet at my house. Fact of the matter is, is sometimes it's just out. <laughs> wow. Well. So I cannot, I cannot depend on it. Um, so I really kind of had to come into the radio station every day. I mean, I could have worked from home and listened to the mice turn my internet, but I came in. But everybody else started working from home, so we quickly became accustomed with Teams. Right. And so everybody kind of had their pod, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, it, it, at the beginning, at the beginning, it was a little bit bumpy. But <laughs> here's another weird thing about this building is this is a three story building with promotions on the first floor, sales on the second floor, programming on the third floor. The programming people were still coming in. So it wasn't all that different just because the way the building's always been structured with the different departments on the different floors, oh, you know, right. I mean, you might have days where nobody comes up to the third floor or you don't go to the second floor or, you know, I mean, so, so it was, we knew that there was weirdness going on around us, but I think that we were probably less affected by the weirdness than some of the other clusters where they came in and even told the on-air people that they had to work from home, you know? Interesting. Um, yeah. And your salespeople and your uh, um, structured sales management, they figured a way to be creative as well, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, there was a little bit of bobbing and weaving, you know, because there's some key promotions that were big money makers for the cluster that just straight up needed to be canceled. Well, you know, and events and, and all that, right? Exactly, Go exactly. Go right. on. Um, so we did, you know, something I'll credit our sister markets with. Um, Bill Black and Mobile and Tom Hanrahan in Birmingham came to us and included WNOE and in something that they came up with called I Heart Country Climbing the Charts. And I feel terrible that I'm not sure <clears throat> if it was Bill or Tom that, originally came up with the idea i'd love to hey, get the credit it was just, one of them it was amazing but it let's was just say they're two great programmers correct right? they they yeah. are they're phenomenal program directors and they came up one of them came up with the idea of you know since we can't have concerts and we can't gather let's start doing concerts for our listeners online well you know that there's royalty hoops to jump through da 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 one of them figured out that there are no hoops to jump through as long as it originates on the artist page. So we were going and working deals where we would promote the artist and, and we would work through, um, gosh, I can't think of the name of the program right now, but basically we would have all of our Facebook pages tied together every Wednesday night at seven o'clock for, yes. you know, an artist to perform. And it was hosted by, you know, WNOE, KSJ, 1025 The Bull. Nice. And, um, and DRM in Huntsville and Tuscaloosa. So, you know, we would get together and do that. And so, you know, I think, I think it was key to try to keep some normalcy. I, um, here at WNOE last year when all of Mardi Gras was pretty much canceled, we teamed up with new artist Hardy for Hardy Gras and he did <laughs> a performance for my listeners that was a lot of fun. I think, you know, there's still, when everybody's locked away at home, there's still things to be done. You just do it Absolutely. Different. 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And those are all creative ways, which I'm sure you turned into some dollars somehow, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So now I get to glow about you. All I've said so far (laughs) is how much I respect you as a programmer and, and what a strong, tenacious person you are and how creative you are and all these good things. But listen up. Your on air work is really brilliant. You know that I'm a fan of yours, been a fan of yours for a long time. I'm not alone. What makes a great on-air talent in 2022, in your opinion? I think just relating to people. Um, You know, gosh, I... I like to listen to the people, the, 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 the talent that I like the most are the ones that I listen to on the radio and I just feel like I'm hanging out with a friend. You know, I don't want, right. I don't want a quote unquote disc jockey. I don't want somebody talking at me. You know, I just want somebody, I just, I just want that companionship on the other side. And, and I try to be that companion. I will tell you that not because I work for the company that has them, but I, I happen to be a tremendously big fan of the Bobby Bones show <laughs> because if, when when I listen to Bobby Bones, what I hear is just a bunch of friends sitting around, hanging out, having a great conversation that I want to be a part of. You know, and, I hear people say negative things about Bobby Bones, and I'm like, I don't get it. Uh, I well, think he's phenomenal. I think people just jump to snap judgments about things. And it's like, if you see something that is working in multiple environments, you don't just jump on the bandwagon that goes, oh, that sucks. You know, you can see if you really look how hard Bobby works. Mm -hmm. You can see that. And you can see that those multiple players on that show, they have different perspectives. They are (laughs) good at bringing the things to a morning show that... You know, I mean, I'm sorry, any of us would like to have, right? Well, you know, once upon a time, back in the day, um, Dave Robbins, here's another Dave Robbins lesson I learned. And now a Dave Robbins moment. And now a Dave Robbins moment uh, where he would say every great morning show is comprised of the three D's, Dick, Dork, and Doll. And when you look at the Bobby Bones show, (laughs) there it is right in front of your face, right? Bobby's the dork, Amy's the doll. Uh, lunchbox is the dick, but you know, I'm not, and by the way, I'm not calling lunchbox a dick because he, he is, he, he has that role on that show that that's exactly Dave's formula, right. Or, or the formula. Right. And, and I and think look, if you it, take a step back and look at a lot of morning shows and look for that formula, you're going to find it. Well, and look, it's fair to say, I think it's fair to say that Bobby bones in that show is not appropriate for every market. And so you have to use you have to use your brain. You have to use your brain <laughs> and you have to go, is this appropriate for here? Is this appropriate for there? I think that's what makes great programmers, right? Yeah. It, well, b- I'll tell you, I mean, Bobby works tremendously well in the city of New Orleans. There you go. Um, he, people here, people here love him. And, uh, you know, coming from the, the station I pro- uh, programmed last was WTQR in Greensboro and we ran yeah. him there too. He did okay there. He did smashingly well when he was on Dancing with the Stars. But the people that get him, like, really get him. And when I was in Greensboro, he had come and done one of his uh, stand-up comedy shows in Greensboro and spent some time with our key clients and was so great with all of them. And then, you know, spent some time, had, like, a meet and greet. But then after the show, went out into the lobby and – just anybody that wanted to meet him couldn't. And he was so 
just genuine and engaging with every single one of them that it's like one of those things where you walk away from an experience with him going like, what a great guy. Wow. Now <laughs> it could be, well, an act. Well, listen, I don't know, but I've had nothing but great, great experiences with him. Um, he well, was listen, just, you, you, you talked about the early nineties and how it was different and all that, you know, mm -hmm. what you're describing is a version of Garth Brooks. Right. That's right. We, That's we right. know at the early fanfare stuff. I mean, he just stood out there and said, hey, I don't care who you are. I'll meet you. I'll yep. hug you. I'll sign whatever you got. I'm going to stay here until it's over. He'll until set records for signing right. autographs at fanfare. Yeah. So these things are incredibly important when you have a talent who's willing to give like that. Mm -hmm. And I will say this, you know, your people in Greensboro, there's somebody had some vision there to pay him to show up and be at that event and understood how important that was with their clients. Too. And it was a sold out show. I mean, yeah. it was, it was a sold out show that they put in a theater and and I mean, he was amazing. I was at uh, an event, a Mardi Gras event here a couple of weeks ago, and somebody came up to me. She was a realtor. And apparently Bobby was just in Vegas a couple of weeks ago speaking at a realtor's convention. And a couple of our, just so happened, a couple of our listeners met him there. And again, same thing, like he made their life. Like they, they made it a point to come seek me out knowing I was going to be at this Mardi Gras event a couple of weeks ago just to say like, hey, we love the Bobby Bones show. We're realtors. We were in Vegas a couple weeks ago and got to meet him speaking at a convention and he was amazing and, and we got to spend time with him. And I mean, he's just, you know, I mean, I think that's one of those things that love him or hate him. Every talent can learn from him because when it comes to the disc jockey to listener engagement, he gets it more than more than most people. <laughs> and and in case you didn't hear that in the background, Casey sort of whispered, give the realtors a meter, give them a meter. <laughs> right. uh, listen, I want to know this about you. Are you the kind of person, the kind of radio pro that has mentors? And if so, can you give us an example of how a mentor might have changed your professional life? Absolutely. I mean, you know, first one that comes to mind, Dave Robbins, we mentioned him. Number two that comes to mind, Les Acree, we've mentioned him. Yep. Um, I've been lucky to work with people at every job where I've learned something from, you know. Um, mm. And then, uh, you know, gosh, um, I was, I was, I see, I see Ron Chapman in here. I worked with him for a minute and Birmingham, you know, I, I learned from Ron. Our boss was just in case. I learned from him. Um, oh, yeah, when I was a good in guy. Charlotte the second time, I, I have a thing for going to cities more than once, apparently. But when I was in Charlotte the second time, um, Jeff Wyatt, you know, who was a CHR right. legend, was my boss. And I learned so much from him. And you have to understand that by the time Wyatt hired me, I mean, he hired me in 2013. I got my first radio job in 1990. So I mean, I'd been around for a minute. Right. <laughs> yet I go to work for somebody like Jeff Wyatt. And every single day, I'm learning new things and learning oh, different nice, perspectives. Right? And it's it's amazing. You know, and we know that that's we know that that's really a key important factor for you. Mm -hmm. You love mm -hmm. learning forward. Listen, uh, uh, do you mentor others in our business today? I, and look, before you answer that, I'm just going to put this down and say you are one of the busiest people that I know. These multiple <laughs> jobs that you have, you have a lot of plates in the air. So now do you mentor others? 
Not technically, but every so often, you know, I'll have a fellow PD tap me on the shoulder and be like, hey, how do you handle something like this? You know, so it's not officially a mentor role, but I think there's a lot of that that happens in iHeart where we just bounce ideas off of each other. Maybe, you know, somebody's stuck with something. I had a programmer in another market that's she's a little bit newer of a programmer. And she had come to me and said, like, hey, how do you handle like sales requests and promotions requests? And like, do you have a a form? Do you have a, a system it goes through? You know, I mean, just like little things like that. But I think something that's so great within iHeart is that, you know, we have a great network of people within iHeart that if you just ever need an idea or just want to pick somebody's brain on how they do something, you know, there's always people there. You can't call any of those people right now because I've got you on the spot here on the Encouragers, the radio rally. And I just want to say this to you. This is the question. You ready for it? The test, if you will, for being on the show. That's good. Make sure you got buckled both ways. How do you see the future of radio, Casey? Well, (laughs) can I tell you my least favorite sentence in the world is that's the way we've always done it. If if there's something broken, like clearly broken and you bring it up and you get the answer, that's the way we've always done it. Like it's more broken than you realize. Oh, yeah. So I think (laughs) that the future of radio is going to be in really bad shape if we don't start thinking different and doing things differently like i think at this point moving forward we just have to kind of almost assume that everything's broken and and (laughs) you know what i mean like well listen i'm going to tell you we can't keep doing things the same way because that's the way we've always done them that's right and one of the reasons that we launched our wednesday night live program we've been doing it for over a year now it's called innovation and audio it's also a podcast called the encouragers innovation and audio podcast is because we want to show innovation in other lanes and in other industries and in other businesses because we want to encourage radio to take risk because also not taking risk is risky it's it's just as bad i mean there's you know anybody in iheart will tell you that we have these mantras i can't repeat them word for word because half the time I don't even remember my middle name, but I know what they all mean. And basically one of them to paraphrase is like, don't be afraid to fail. You know, I mean, even if you, even if you want to go out and do something and you think it's a great idea and you try it and you fail miserably, well, guess what? If you take a step back and look at it, you just learned probably more than you, you learn probably more from failing than you do from succeeding a lot. Well, and uh, there's no question. And you sharpen your sword, you know, more than the next Mm -hmm. guy then, if you will. Casey, I want to thank you for being on as a guest for the Encouragers, the Radio Rally. If it's okay with you, I'd like for you to hang out for a few moments in case uh, we have maybe some questions. Sure. All right. So listen, uh, we are going to open up and uh, see if some folks want to chat with us for a minute and ask a question. There's also um, a way that you can IM me through the platform as well. 
and that way I can just read your question directly. You don't have to do that. Of course, you don't have to get up on the stage. Don't forget that our free blog section, well, it's uh, free at RainmakerPathway.com. It's a way for us to give you uh, a lot of free resources that you might not get elsewhere uh, from our team to yours. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to mess with it. You don't have to even talk to us. You can just read what's there. It also allows us to share things with with radio so that radio knows how we think. We kind of like that too. Listen, don't forget to join us Wednesdays on Clubhouse Live for Innovation and Audio, what we just talked about a minute ago. On our Wednesday live events, we usually deal with somebody who is doing real-world innovation, undeniable innovators. We bring people to that event, that live event, that you may not ever meet otherwise to talk about how you create environments that encourage innovation, mostly outside the radio industry. It's our way to give you a different creative perspective about change, about creativity itself and of course about innovation this wednesday just two days from now on innovation and audio the live event march 16th elizabeth hamilton Girano. now she is the author of the change guidebook she uh, she is on the forbes business council she's going to talk about change she's going to talk about innovation she's going to talk about creativity and how to create it and we also might talk about fear a little bit i'm just going to let you know that in case you're one of those people gets a little nervous we're going to do it in a safe environment here on the clubhouse app 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific next uh wednesday or actually i'm sorry that's this wednesday two days away god almighty uh the whole week's catching up with you when you say casey so I have this question from our IM portal. And Casey, are you ready for another question? Yes. How has the job of program director changed over time at iHeart specifically, or has it changed? It has changed tremendously. Um, I, I think, I really kind of think it's a sky's the limit job, you know? Um, like I say, there's always going to be things that, that iHeart gives us, um, you know, the, the cash contest, the iHeart Radio Music Award flyaways, the iHeart Country Festival flyaways. And I think that's so incredible because not every market has the ability to go and do major promotions on their own. That's right. So, I mean, that really, really helps promotions and PDs and whatnot. And I think... Uh, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier. I there's there's nobody else I'd rather work for. I've worked for other people, and I'm glad to be back with this company. And and uh, I hope they let me stay. <laughs> we, yeah, we say this all the time, and I say this all the time to clients. Once you have a radio station, you get anything else you want. What I really mean by that is we are we are bound as broadcasters to bring creativity because radio is about speed. We can put something on the air so fast. And I think what you talked about earlier, you know, if you have people who don't get excited about the iHeart Music Festival or some thing that iHeart Corporate has brought to you that is an incredible resource, you A, may not be thinking about the listener first, which is a problem. Mm -hmm. And and B, you have to think creatively how to how to wrap your radio station in the flag of that thing, right? Right. All right. So do you have a dream job in this business today? 
would it be cliche if I told you I'm living it? <laughs> Man, I knew we were going to go there. Yeah, I mean, I... You know, it's it's so funny how things are such a moving target, you know? I mean, I had mentioned earlier that I used to want to go be a major market rock jock. I don't yeah. really do that anymore. I mean, it's... it's uh, I truly, truly, truly love living in the city of New Orleans. And the fact that iHeart lets you grow within the company without having to necessarily move. I mean, you know, my my direct manager, I had mentioned her earlier, Angela Watson, you know, she's the mm -hmm. senior vice president of programming for this cluster, but she's also an executive vice president of programming for all of iHeart. And right. she can do it from right here in good old New Orleans, Louisiana, USA, you know? And, now, uh, look, I, do I have think that's one, great. I do have one negative thing to say about you, and it's this. God, you would think I've known you for so long. You know what an LSU fan I am. You're sitting there in New Orleans. You know, I think about this all the time. Like if I go to Costco or I go to Sam's or whatever, and they have these things or football season, it's always the color of the place I'm in. Right? LSU, but you, there you <laughs> sit. I would think you would be a great resource for this, but no, no. What is that? You got nothing, huh? Well, I, uh, for Mardi Gras, went and bought some purple and yellow chairs. Purple yeah, and gold. Yeah. Go ahead, slip the Ohio State thing in there on me right quick. Look, I was born and grew up in Columbus, Ohio. I bleed scarlet. You see what's going on here. Listen, I do thank you very much for being on this program with <laughs> I us. I like LSU. Go Tigers. But there you go. That's I what I'm that talking spell, about. I know that you spell go G-E-A-U-X. I get it. But look, I mean, just like you grew up in Bastrop, Louisiana, if you lived in Columbus, Ohio, you'd probably like the Buckeyes, but you'd still be an LSU fan first and foremost. I'm just the other way around. Well, I totally get it, and I love everything about you, so how about that? Well, there you go. And you know what? I love the Saints, and I will tell you that well, I don't know the stats going into the 2022 season, but last season the Saints had more former Ohio State players than any other NFL team, so it's like Ohio State South kind of. Well, it might be a you thing. You might be doing that somehow, <laughs> right? You know, like those fans Maybe. who— if they don't watch on TV, if they're not wearing the right jersey, the team will lose. Maybe this is what you've got going on. You're down there, and they just keep drawing these people from Ohio State. I, I I don't know, but I will tell you I'm comfortable walking into the Superdome with a Saints shirt and my Ohio State tennis shoes. So. Oh, I like it. Well, yeah. listen, we, we do try to keep things to about an hour. One of the great things about our live event is that we really try to bring you great guests, great content, so you don't have to worry about it. Boom. It's here. Thank you for joining us every Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the Radio Rally. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Radio Rally, email me. It's easy. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We hope you have a great week, like we say, at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally. Once you have a radio station, you get anything else you want. Our thanks to Casey Carter for being our patient and giving guest. Our very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which should be available uh, probably in the next hour or so 
or even sooner. And thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing the podcast. Please do share our podcast. They are the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio. Both podcasts are available on Apple, on Audible, on Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcasts. Remember, if you don't remember anything else about this live event or this podcast, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers, and good night.